Hello, this is Jeff Vandersteld, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate Podcast. As the holidays approach, I want to say on behalf of the whole Saturate team that we are so grateful for you, the listener. It's a joy and a privilege to join you in this space with each episode. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, inspire, and equip you on your own disciple-making journey. I also want to extend a huge thank you to our Saturate partners, a group of people whose donations fund this podcast and also fund our work creating disciple-making resources and investing in leaders through coaching and training. We simply could not do this without you. We are so thankful to you that you give us this opportunity to serve and equip leaders towards gospel saturation. As we approach this new year, we're so excited as we work on some new projects and new initiatives that we're looking forward to rolling out to serve more and more leaders and more and more churches. But we're going to need your help financially to get there. Would you prayerfully consider Saturate in your year-end giving? You can just go to saturatetheworld.com forward slash give. That's saturatetheworld, all one word, dot com forward slash give. We need your help, and we would love to receive your support to serve more and more leaders, more and more churches, and more and more cities. We wish you a wonderful holiday season. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere and every day. We believe this will require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is unified together in a region and collaborating around five key initiatives that we see the Apostle Paul work out that Luke records in Acts 13 and 14. And that is a commitment to prayer and fasting, to disciple making, to leaders getting healthy, serving the city in tangible ways so the kingdom of God is made visible, and then starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Presently in this episode, we're spending some time talking about disciple-making. I actually had the privilege of speaking into and also helping to create the overall theme and direction for Exponential 2024, which will be in uh, March. And the theme this year is 180, a return to disciple-making. We're going to be talking about five key shifts that are needed for us to return to disciple-making. I've also put this into a free ebook that Exponential is making available if you want it, or you can purchase it uh, on Kindle uh, uh, or a paperback on Amazon. Now, this episode, we're going to be talking in particular about one shift, and that is the shift from just reaching more people to actually making disciples who make disciples. And Jay Pathak is going to be one of the speakers who's speaking on this uh, at Exponential this next year. And more specifically, the topic he will be talking about is this idea of building a disciple-making pathway. Now, Jay is the National Director of Vineyard USA, uh, started doing that in, in January 22. He also serves as the lead pastor of the Mile High, Mile High Vineyard, which is a family of neighborhood churches in Denver that he and his wife, Danielle, planted back in 2001. And he co-wrote a book that I would highly recommend called The Art of Neighboring with Dave Runyon. I mean, it's a great tool, great book to help you or the people you lead really learn how to be good neighbors in such a way that we can be on mission too with the neighborhood that God's put us in. Super, super great book on hospitality, how to build those relationships and see God open doors and build bridges for the gospel to be shared. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why that book was something that he reluctantly wrote, but wrote because it's a labor of love because he cares a lot about sharing his faith with the people around him. That's really a key part of his calling. So Jay, I'm so thankful you're here, and I would love it if you would share anything more that you think would be helpful for our listeners to know about you as we enter into this conversation. Because as you know, a lot of times the context of our life helps shape the framework of our conversation. So anything else you would want to share in addition to what I just said? Uh, I think all I'd want to add is that I was not raised in a Christian home at all, so I have no mm. church background. So, you know, I, I am a professional Christian and that's a joke if you didn't catch it, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being really honest here. I mean, even to this point, 
I'm still regularly learning about what this thing called the church is and this mm. faith that's been handed to us. And so in some ways that affords me some interesting opportunities because my heart really does break for people that don't yet have a life with Jesus. And uh, in general, I'm not caught up with a lot of the trappings a lot of pastors have been caught up in, you know, um, just, but it means I'm at some deficits. You know, I'm, I'm regularly uh, learning new things like, wow, there's like a whole world out here where people have been doing this for thousands of years and they're yeah. genuinely helpful for how we think about building churches. And so we planted the church we're in with uh, 10 friends. We moved out. I waited tables. Um, in every way it resembled a cult, I'm sure. So, you know, you know what I mean? Like you meet in a home, it's like when your your pastor works at a Chinese restaurant, it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's real. But but mostly we grew by just seeing people come to know Jesus, um, walk into new life with Jesus, which meant it was a entirely chaotic church. But that built into being multi-site and then a family of neighborhood churches. Um, so kind of stem to stern, top to bottom, side to side. We've gotten to do every single thing. Um, so I just love pastors, leaders uh, who are just trying to figure out how to do this. I, 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 there's so much to learn. There's so much innovation based on context. And so, yeah, I mean, even the work we do in the vineyard, our hope is to serve the whole body of Christ. I just love the church. I love the way people are helping people meet Jesus. So it's a it's an honor to work. Any Anything I get to do near exponential, I'm in because I believe in the work and the way they're serving pastors in the church. Mm. Yeah, I love the perspective you bring. I mean, it's great if you get to grow up in a church and there's lots of benefits and blessings yeah. in that. But to be able to have your perspective, I think, is really significant because you, you do get to – you know what it's like yeah. to not be a part of it totally. and to not get it. So, man – that's a great, in some ways, I mean, all of our stories are a gift, but that's a unique gift that you get to bring. So, yeah, it is. And, and it also means I'm fairly clueless regularly <laughs> in a lot of church environments. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and now I'm leading a movement of churches. It's like, wow, okay. I guess who would have guessed this? I, I would God, have. Uh, God's kindness and humor, right? <laughs> totally. No, it is. It is grace yeah. to me. I'm very grateful. Yeah. But it is that's great. a big learning curve. Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. Well, I'm curious, how have you personally experienced the transformative power of disciple making in your own journey? I mean, you you were not in the church. Mm -hmm. Somehow you came to follow Jesus. Like, how did that work? Tell us a little bit more about your own journey and how disciple making obviously affected you. You're here. Something happened. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I got pulled in, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had an encounter with God in my room one night. Uh, I'd been reading the Bible for a while, mostly because I was confused. Mm. Um, I'd been pulled into a, uh, like a young life deal and they got a Bible there. And at that night I had a weird experience where I thought, I think God's in this place. Huh. I didn't know what that meant because I'd never had anything like that happen. So anyway, I read the Bible kind of scanning around looking for that. And it wasn't until I read Romans 7 and 8, I had that kind of the same experience in my room. It had been a year later. And so I went back to the guy that took me to that weird meeting, that Young Life meeting. I, I in my mind, thought of it as a Christian karaoke party because, you know, we sang <laughs> songs and stuff. Uh <laughs> Cause that's what worship looks like if you've yes, never seen right. that. Um, so anyway, I, um, he said, well, you got to come to church with me. You've had this experience. You got to come to church with me. Hmm. So I went to this church and they were, I think in their eighth year in the book of Hebrews. Eighth year? Year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Eighth year. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening. You know, like I didn't understand what the words meant. I didn't understand anything, anything. Wow. But I'd had this experience with God. So it was like, well, I guess this is what we do now. Like, I guess this is it. And I remember my memories of that are having no idea what's going on and being in the basement. I grew up in Ohio. So I'm in the basement of this Baptist church 
after the service where there was potlucks and I would be hugged with people wearing sweaters. That's my most like enduring memories. <laughs> memories. <laughs> yeah, just being confused. Like, I don't know yeah. what this is, but these people seem nice. And But the weirdest thing happened, I think it would have been maybe, maybe a month in to going to this church because I just thought I had to. And this guy out of nowhere walked up and handed me a tape. This tells you how old I am. And he handed me a tape and he said, I was cleaning out my house and I thought about you. Now, this is a guy I'd maybe talked to twice, you know, like again, at one of these potlucks, older mm-hmm. guy. And I think you should listen to this tape. And I said, okay. So I, I went home and I remember popping it in and I was driving home and it was a talk by a guy named Dawson Trotman who some people would know, but uh, most people wouldn't. Uh, He started a ministry that became known as the Navigators. And this talk was a talk called Born to Reproduce. (laughs) And I listened to this talk. Again, I know nothing. Like, I I mean, I literally know nothing other than I've had this encounter with God, has something to do with Jesus. And I listen to this talk and I think, this checks out. This makes sense. And I had known enough to know that what had happened to me, I wanted other people to have. I didn't know how to talk about that. I wasn't sure how to do that. Mm -hmm. But when I heard that, I thought, yeah, this makes sense. And so, honestly, Jeff, I mean, this this is going to sound pretty simple, but pretty much everything I've ever known how to do in ministry came, I think, out of listening to that tape driving home. Because what became clear to me was anything I have, I'm supposed to give away. Hmm. Anything I've learned, anything I know about life Mm -hmm. with God, I'm supposed to give away. And I'm supposed to do that in an intentional way that helps other people give that to other people. Hmm. And so what I just said sounds really simple, but it's actually harder than you think. Like to like, like, because like who's hungry? Who wants that? And what kind of people? And how do how do you do you do that by talking to them? Do you do that by doing stuff with them? Do that over meals or, you know, there's 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 a lot of ways to do what I just said. But that one thought was like um like a virus Mm. in my mind. And frankly, that virus has taken over my life. Um, Mm. and it turns out if you just do that enough they start telling you you're a leader. Like I would go to a Bible study and I would take that Bible study and I would do it in another Bible study I made up with people that were friends of mine. And if anybody asked me a question, so, you know, okay, I just learned, let's say Ephesians 1. I then, that's on Monday. I go to teach the Bible study on Wednesday. If in the Bible study somebody says, well, how does this square with this other verse in Galatians? I would just turn to the group and say, what do you think? And people would talk. And then I would say, okay, <laughs> moving on. Like, I I didn't know. I didn't know where Galatians was. I didn't know. I don't know. I don't even know what you're asking me. But I figured out really quick, if I could immediately give away what was given to me, hmm. it was fresh and it got into me in a different way. Hmm. And so without even knowing why I was doing what I was doing. That was early on. And and needless to say, early, like some of my friends that were believers, some of the folks that helped lead me to Christ, frankly found it a little annoying because they'd be like, why are you bringing up this thing from the Bible you read? I'm like, I don't know, because I thought it was interesting and I thought you'd find it interesting. And Isn't that what we do? We sh- <laughs> yeah, shouldn't we tell people about this? And they'd be like, oh man, like, why you gotta be weird? We're just eating tacos or whatever. And I'd be like, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, And so I guess in one sense, I didn't know I was doing evangelism. And the other sense, I didn't know I was doing discipleship. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I guess even, I understand the difference between the terms. I get it. But I didn't really know that there was any difference to any of it. It was just whatever I learned, whatever is given to me, it's my job to give it to people that can give it to people. That's my job hmm. as a follower of Jesus, not as a pastor and as a leader, yeah. just as a person. Yeah. And if you do that a few times, people start to notice. 
So, you know, my girlfriend took me to another church because she was like, I don't think you understand anything happening at that church. You should come to church with me. And I said, sure. And I went, that was the first time I went to the vineyard. And right. the vineyard. Was that in, in uh, Columbus? In Columbus, Ohio. Yep. Yeah. That, that vineyard church. So it's a big church okay. now. Yeah. It was pretty it big is, when yeah. I went. Okay. It was maybe a thousand people when I went. And by the time I left to go plan, it was not quite, it was like 8,000, 7,000 or 8,000 people. Wow. Hmm. And so I show up and it was like, wait a minute. I understand everything everybody's saying. Like the songs make sense. There's like clear stuff to do. Like, hey, come to this class on the blah, blah, blah. Or, and then there were small groups. So go to this small group. And so within a, a little bit as I was in that small group, they said, well, we should have somebody start another small group. And I went, well, I think I've been doing that. I didn't know that's what that was called, but I'll do that. So then I started a small group and I started another small group. And then the church is like, would you like to intern? And I was like, nah, it doesn't really pay enough. And, <laughs> but I want to grow. And so I interned with the lead pastor. And so I think over seven years, I led something like 25 small groups and would then train small group leaders and then do like outreach stuff. Mm -hmm. And what that did is it built a young adult ministry. There's this young adult ministry that grew to be about a thousand people that was mostly just building small groups. And mm -hmm. then we had a gathering, but it was sort of bolstered by these 30 some small groups. So, hmm. and then that's when, if you do that, somebody says you should be a church planner and you go, really, what does that mean? Well, what you just did, you just do that. You help people meet Jesus. You put them in groups, you train leaders, <laughs> you just do that. And then, and I'm like, Oh, so even when we planted a church, I think I'd only preached three or four times on a main stage other than youth group, which I did a bit. So I never got into being a pastor because I wanted to preach. I never got into being a pastor because I knew how to run a church. I just liked helping people fall in love with Jesus, live life together, train and multiply leaders. So in a very real way, I kind of fell backward into all of this. Yeah. Um, by just that one tape um, did something to me. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting. The first book I was given when I became a Christian, when I surrendered to Jesus, started following him, was The Master Plan of Evangelism. Another some, great some book. Ways a similar, another, some ways in a similar thing, it was like, I didn't know anything else. This is totally what you say it means to follow him. And I guess we we go do this. <laughs> you just do that. And and I mean, I just recently had neighbor and his girlfriend, you know, give her life to Jesus or baptize in her church. And I did, I pulled out the master plan of angels because he was like, what do I do with my friends? I said, well, here's a thought. I don't know. And we're reading Coleman's thing. And I said, let's just pray for your friends. And, you know, it, it in all this stuff we do in ministry, we can make it really complicated. Yeah, and, yeah. and I love that people are way smarter than me. They know how to do, they know how to build websites and they have like really important, like cool phrases and stuff they do. That's great. I love all that stuff. But if underneath it isn't this very simple way hmm. of sharing your faith, helping people follow Jesus, helping them grow in that faith and give away that faith. If that can be the seedbed, man, a lot of other stuff can work. Yeah. If you find ways of getting stuff done without doing that, it can get weird. Yeah, I, lo I love the simplicity. And in, in, in this, you know, in this session that we're going to be talking about this idea of a pathway and you kind of just laid out four parts of yeah. a pathway right there. <laughs> yep. yep. And it's super easy to explain and makes a lot of sense. Yep. Could pass it on easily. You got it. You gave it away. I mean, I love yep. that. Well, and then everything new you learn is working through a frame. Mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, so you're like, hey, I just learned how to... I don't know, pray for the sick, or I just learned a thing on how to read the Bible, or I just learned a thing on how to build my own prayer life, or uh, forgiveness, to walk in healthier relationships. It, it, whatever the content is then moves through this way of understanding that anything that I have is meant to be given away. Mm -hmm. Anything that bears fruit is meant to bear fruit in another's life that mm -hmm. I help give away to bear fruit in someone else's life. And mm -hmm. if I can just keep mm -hmm. doing that, yeah, 
and again, eventually they'll call you a pastor if you do that enough. Like, I mean, so <laughs> now you're going to make some people not want to do it because they're like, I don't. Well, exactly. Be a <laughs> well, tell me about it. Listen, man, tell me about it. I, I, yeah, I mean, because instead of trying to become a pastor, so you learn how to do things, you can just do things. Yeah, and then you might be a pastor. I mean, so <laughs> like in in the life of our church, you know, one day you just look up and go, "Gosh, there's like." like a thousand people standing around mm-hmm. like and that honestly this is going to sound like i'm being silly but that creates another set of problems yeah. uh it, it gets more complicated not mm-hmm. less complicated and that led us to some different models that's why we have family you know a family of neighborhood churches we wanted to try and stay local the art of neighboring stuff was really just kind of stuff we'd done like get to know your neighbors, mm. be hospitable, yeah. let the life of the kingdom flow naturally from your life. But p- these are things people can be trained to do. You don't have to be super, super gifted. Mm. You don't have to be able to clip on a mic and talk. You don't have to. Now, if you can also do those things, that'll help eventually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if can you can't, helpful. yeah, you can do this. This isn't, this isn't for like specialists. That's right. It, it can be done. Yeah. Everybody can do everything you just described. So yeah. I think so. And they might not be able to do it at the level of like you should write a book or right, you're gonna preach right. on a stage or this you're gonna get a paycheck from a church or whatever. But where I get most sad, Jeff, is when I meet pastors that can't do the stuff I'm describing. They can do other kind of weird stuff that helps them lead a church. Mm-hmm. That's really disappointing. Like, yeah, oh man, get your get your hands in the dirt. Like get That's right. with the humans. That's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, anyway, so everything I know in ministry came that way around, and then it would be crisis. Like, uh-oh, this person's marriage is falling apart. Mm-hmm. I bet somebody knows what to do. So I would go out and, like, read <laughs> stuff until, no, I'm just like, somebody probably has done this before. So I just read Just in time stuff. learning. <laughs> Seriously. No, I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, like, yeah. I just, oh, wow. I, man, this person said this thing about, how do we help people get a biblical worldview or read through the Bible intentionally? I'm like, I don't know. This is what I did, but that doesn't seem maybe substantial enough or it doesn't seem to work for this type of person or whatever. Hmm. Or youth ministry. I mean, I don't know. Or raising kids. I have no idea. I wasn't raising any of this stuff. So yeah, as long as I can stay curious and hungry for my own growth curve. Um, I mean, now I'm national director of, a. I mean, there's no guidebook for that. I don't know how to do yeah. that. So yeah. let me go ask some other people. Hey, you you lead over here. You've led a corporation in this way. Like, what would you tell me? What would you do if you were me? Uh, nah. So if you stay hungry, you keep learning, and you keep giving away, things just flow out of that. And, and, and there's people way smarter than me that build systems that can help. Like, okay, so now, Jay, if we're going to do that, we should have a leader night once a month. We can collect all those folks. Oh, perfect. Great. That'd be great. Hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're responding to fruit. Um, yeah. You know, or, hey, we can more intentionally train like this. Let's write a curriculum or let's, sure. Yeah. But it's because we've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Or we're yeah. with people that are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. In light of all that, what would you, how would you define, I mean, you might've already done it, but how would you define what you think a mature disciple is? Maybe you've already said it. Yeah. I mean, again, I could steal Dawson's talk. I could read it back to you. I mean, I I, I think, I think in order to define what you said, wisdom would say we should define what it isn't, not just what it is. Mm -hmm. So Mm. maturity, contrary to popular belief, is not passion. Mm. So people often notice excited people and therefore assume they're passionate. But listen, if you're around a church for more than like one meeting, you'll start to notice that passionate people often don't like actually do anything Hmm. but be excited. So like I'm a bona fide charismatic, like a real one, like a crazy man. Okay. So in my world's the person who's worshiping really hard must be mature. But that's not true. The person who prays really passionately. Passion is different than action. Hmm. Like, does this actually move you? 
to do things, mm. <laughs> like real things yeah. with people. Mm. So that's the next thing to measure. People are like, oh, well, that person's really active. So often you'll meet someone be like, man, they go to church every week or they pray a lot or they they can regurgitate a bunch of like quotes from cool books. Okay, well, that's active. They're moving around a lot. But there's a big difference between activity and producing. Like, mm. does it actually do things? Mm. Like, like <laughs> you can be active and not have much fruit of mm -hmm. uh, real transformation in your life or in other people's lives. Mm. So then production is the next thing. And those are people you tend to be pastors. Like, hey, you've done some things and it does some things, so let's make you a leader or whatever. But that's where most people stop. Mm. Most people maturity stops at the point of production. I can lead worship well. I can teach the Bible pretty well. I can pray and it seems to be effective and helpful for people. I can mentor kids. I can whatever, whatever it is. And that's usually the ceiling. But mm -hmm. that isn't the de definition of maturity. The definition of maturity is reproduction. Mm -hmm. Can I take the ways that God has given me grace to see fruit by his spirit that runs through my life in gifts and can I train others hmm. to produce in the manner that God has given me grace to do? Mm -hmm. And that's maturity. Hmm. And again, hmm. I'm not saying that means you can do all kinds of things, whatever you're able to do. Okay, whatever it is, if you can train other people, that builds a kind of maturity. Because frankly, as you know, in that last bit, a lot of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. You have to think about character. You have to think mm -hmm. about perseverance. You have to walk through suffering. You have to mm -hmm. think about how forgiveness and all, all kinds of things, as you put life on life in training people, every other thing appears. Mm. If all I got to do is show up and do my worship set and go home, you know, or all I got to do is show up and teach and go home, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if I got to yeah. get into people's lives and be like, well, let me teach you to teach. And here's mm -hmm. the way you get examples. And here's how you And you start to realize, oh, wait a minute. You don't really have a prayer life or you don't really, mm -hmm. or this thing in your marriage is really not working or. Yeah. So that last bit is not just production, but reproduction. Mm -hmm. And so for me, anytime I'm talking to someone who's trying to grow in their life, I'm like, tell me about the ways you've seen God move in your life. And how's that produce fruit in other people's lives? And tell me about the folks that you've trained and help do the things that God has given you grace to do. Mm. And it's usually in that last bit, people are like, uh, what do you mean? You know, like, <laughs> it's a stopping point. Um, I don't know what you're saying. What, what do you mean mm. by that? So, mm. like, have you multiplied small groups? Have you multiplied worship leaders? Have you taught people to teach the Bible, not just teach the Bible? Mm -hmm. That's maturity. And yeah. that can be you're a one-talent or a ten-talent person. But it's that reproducing of what God's entrusted to you that mm. other people can do that. That's mm -hmm. that's maturity in my mind. Mm. Yeah, you know, when I, when I worked on trying to frame up the different parts of the talks for next year, you know, mm -hmm. the, the language I use was what you're describing is really spiritual parenting. You yes. know, like... Like we lead someone to go from spiritually dead to becoming a new child born again in the faith. Then we want to yes. grow them up as a child, help them become a young adult. That's probably an apprenticing towards being a spiritual parent. Yep. And spiritual parents reproduce. That's the whole point. And that's right. The and I think a lot of times, at least when I've interacted with leaders or even individuals, they haven't thought through that process no. at all. And we wonder why we don't have disciple-making disciples. Yes. Well, if we've never actually made that an expectation, we never yes. planned for it, we never asked the questions you just asked, yes. why would we ever expect to see that happen? Well, because you can build crowds out of doing a few things well. That's right. Yep. So if you can teach pretty well, and you can get someone to lead worship pretty well, and a few folks with some money like that, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing, they're like, I like that. We should do more yeah. of that. Yeah. And then you have a few folks that can kind of administrate a few things. Like, yeah, I can make sure the trains run on time. We pay the bills. You can have a, like a substantial thing. Like mm -hmm. it'll be a big deal. Mm -hmm. 
But that doesn't mean that you're necessarily doing any of the things I just mm. described. And then you yeah. can build little people moving mechanisms like, okay, we can get this kind of people to go do these kinds of things in a small group or in a class or whatever. But even that's not what I'm talking about. You can build containers that aren't hmm. kind of driven by this heart to give life away to people to give life away. Um, so it's, it's, it's possible to build mechanisms that don't produce fruit in the manner we're describing. Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, it's, I, I, it's interesting. I, I can sit with pastors for like, I mean, literally like 10 minutes and I can tell. Like, mm. you know, are they enamored with ideas? Or are they enamored with people? Mm -hmm. You know, like, are they excited about, and you can be enamored with ideas as well, by the way. I mean, I'm, my background's in philosophy. I'm a complete nerd. I, I love geeking out on like string theory or any, you know, any number of things. So I'm not saying you can't like that stuff. I'm just saying. Right, right. But you can't not like people. <laughs> precisely. Right. And, and, and be in the mess a little. Like, yeah. When you're in the mess with people, their real lives appear. I mean, my real life appears. Forget about their mm -hmm. life. I, I have to get through my own insecurities or places where I'm arrogant or a know-it-all or whatever. And especially if I work with younger folks or mm -hmm. older folks, people, people more than five to seven years older than me or more than five to seven years younger than me, I'm out of my depth or, or they're out of a different economic bracket than me or a racial background, mm -hmm. it just starts to feel weird. Like, I don't mean, you don't have the assumptions I have, but the kingdom and the gospel cut across. Yes. If I'm patient enough to make that the priority, like, no, I'm with these people right now, um, with mm -hmm. this leader, with this person, I'm going to be curious about them. I'm going to try and understand how their world works. And, uh, or evangelism really is the healthiest thing for leaders. Like mm -hmm. the uninitiated ask the very best questions. Mm -hmm. And they're very direct and simple if they're honest. And if you can kind of get them to a place of safety, like, I mean, regularly unchurched people are like, is there a reason there's so much singing? Like, why is there so much singing? Like, <laughs> I never sing like this. I don't know what yeah. this is other than they're like, but then it's not every time, but like maybe a third of the time I start to really feel something. I, I, I feel like I want to cry or I want to mm. clap and that's weird too. And why is that happening? And like, that's a really straightforward question that yeah. Yeah. you have to, or why, why, when we pray, why don't things happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like they should happen, right? Like if God's able and he cares about us. And and so the uninitiated are often the best teachers for me. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, they ask I'm questions like, that a lot of people don't ask. Yeah. Well, I stopped asking at some point. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I remember wondering that. How did I get around? Wait a minute. What did I tell myself? I can't even remember. Um, so, yeah. Th th but again, those are all things that require being in people's lives. Yeah, right. yeah. Paul said to Timothy, the goal of our instruction is love. Yes. Like, that's the whole point, man. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And it's easy yeah. to get professionalized um, yep. and lose track of how those stages. And frankly, most leaders are better at one part than another. Like, I'm better with unchurched people than I am with, you know, leaders, or I'm great with leaders, but I don't know what I think about this, like the poor. I It's just hard to work with the poor because I was raised with money or... Or man, I've been poor my whole life. So to work with people that have money feels really awkward to me. And mm. um, so again, even in that work of life on life, you grow. Yeah, and, you do. And but that that's you have to make a a ruthless commitment to being that kind of leader. Mm. Because if you're pretty good at what you do, no one holds you accountable to that. Yeah. They just are going, yeah, just do your thing. You're great at your thing and mm -hmm. just do that. And you're like, you know what? I am good at that thing. I'm just going to do that. But but you start to <laughs> rot. Um, you don't, yeah, it's, not, right. it's not instant. It's, there's like a hiddenness to it that takes a minute mm -hmm. to notice sometimes. So again, I'm just grateful for the way God interrupted my life because those simple tools 
we're laid into the foundation of how I understand mm -hmm. life, let alone ministry. And I have a mm -hmm. wife that wants to do that. That's another thing, you know, be married and mm -hmm. have somebody's like, yeah, I'm in for it. You know, we're going to have yeah. people live with us. We're going to yeah. host people in our home. We're going to, and I know that's not true for everybody. That's, that's right. Challenges. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, when we think about the stages and you mentioned already that some people and you in particular feel even more comfortable or like you like to be with the not yet believer, you know, yes. um, and that I think a lot of times when we think of a lot of times churches don't think about, okay, we've got to actually help someone move from dead to alive. Totally. Which requires really the art of neighboring. It's the, the hospitality. It's the creating the space for them to even discover that they don't have something and that they need right. something. You know, I'm curious how how have you? I mean, this I think this is one of your strengths from reading your book and the influence you've had on many people. What are some effective ways you found to help people create those safe spaces or hospitable spaces for those who are yet to be born again to really start to come to see what life could look like for them? Yeah, I mean, for me, hospitality is is the thing. Hospitality is evangelism. Hospitality is in the list of the attributes of an elder, for example, yep. in Paul's writing, like the ability to be with people in a way that makes them feel comfortable where they're allowed to be themselves mm -hmm. is like a real gift. And there's a way to learn to be hospitable. And part of the work I think of pastors is to teach people how to be hospitable. Um, hmm. And some of that's geography. I mean, for me, it's about neighbors. I mean, I think Jesus offered us a, a really simple command that might change the world if we would do it mm -hmm. uh, with our literal neighbors. So that's a good starting point. Mm -hmm. But for me, it, I like your language. It's creating space. It's being hospitable. And then I, I also try to make it less scary for folks in that you're allowed to use interests you already have. Mm -hmm. So like if you like reading books, you can be in a book club. If you like playing basketball, you can just play basketball with people. If you like playing golf, go play golf. If you like, whatever you like, there's people that probably like that. And you're allowed to work out of your natural things you enjoy to be connected to people. If your kids are playing soccer and you're with other people's kids who are playing soccer, there's like humans standing around with you. Like, if you just say, you know, I'm going to be really connected to people in these environments. And then, the, so hospitality, work with what you already got. And then the last thing I'd say is learn the power of questions. Uh, it's less about what you want to say. It's more about demonstrating that you care. And, you know, there's a little book uh, called Jesus Asked by a guy named Conrad Gempf. Conrad's become a, a friend. And he basically asked the question, why did Jesus ask more questions than he answered? Mm. Um, and all of the gospels, he answers two questions directly ever. The rest of the time he asks questions and he tells stories. Yeah. And that's a skill that can be learned. You can learn how to become curious about people. Every single person, every single person who's alive is interesting. Yes. Every person. Yep. They have pains that they've been through. They have joys and celebrations. They have gifts that were handed to them through their story and curses. They have opportunities and they have losses. They have joys and they have pain. And if you're able to just slow down enough to be like, tell me about where you're from and tell me about why you do what you do. And what are you learning about being a dad or what's interesting? What are you hoping for this next year? Or if you're able to interact with people through questions you will be able to bring the depth that you have, assuming you have that, by the way, because, you know, you have to have a deep life with God in order to share a life with God. Yeah. But I think that's stuff you can learn. So you have to create a context, be in an environment you already enjoy, or it's available to you, and then just learn how to be with people in a way where you're curious about them. Mm -hmm. And my hunch is you will never have to work to share your faith if you do this. Yes. Things. I completely agree You'll never agree have to you. try. Yep. You just will. Yeah, I mean— you Something I want to say, though, because it's in you, and I want to make sure I say this out loud. You, from the beginning of our recording of this podcast, have been talking about curiosity. That like yes. when you 
became a brand new follower. All you didn't know anything, but you just kept asking questions. When you hit yes. a hit a roadblock, you said, "Okay, I got to learn about that." Like, yep. I, I want to just say that, like, that's called humility. That's that's like mm. at the base of what wisdom looks like. Is that I'm always mm. seeking more wisdom. I believe wisdom cries out from the street streets. I don't think I have all the answers. Like, yeah. that's a big part of who you are. And I, mm. if we don't say that, I think people just go, "So I'll just be curious." It's like, no, curiosity is about humility, right? It's about not mm. assuming you know everything mm. and that you actually want to learn more. And I, I really, just the little bit of time that we spent together already, Jay, I just, I want to say that back to you. Like that's mm. a real gift that you're modeling in all of these answers, which has been really encouraging to me. I think Francis Schaefer said, if I had an hour with a person, I would spend the first 55 minutes asking good questions. So in the last yes. five minutes, I might have some kind of idea of something helpful to, to share. And yes. I just think that's brilliant, man. <laughs> and it's it's loving. You know, it's the most loving thing to do is to be yes. curious about someone else's life. Totally. Well, and they are, I mean, that's very kind of you to say that. And I do think some of it is my origin story. Like I said, the mm. fact that I know that I don't know a lot of things helps. And that's not yeah. just coy. It's true. Like, I actually don't know what what's going on in this person's life. Why would I assume mm. to know anything about them? And, and I think as a leader, mm. it's cultivating that, again, as a skill where when I have an expectation and then something happens different than my expectation the speed at which I make meaning and snap it, make a judgment is, is lightning fast. Mm. The smarter you are, the more you do that because mm. you're like, Hey, I've seen this before. I know what this is. The kind of restraint required to interrupt that process, even mentally. So you're talking with someone and the most important thing they want to tell you is I'm a Republican. <laughs> okay. Now just notice when I said that out loud, what happens in your mind? You go, yeah. oh, well, that means this, 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 and this. That's right. Yep. Okay. It takes a minute to go, oh, that's very interesting. You could have said anything you want to say to me. And you chose to say that. I wonder why. I wonder what that means. Like, mm -hmm. so to be able to say, that's really interesting. So yeah. tell me why that's important to you. Why, yeah. why did you want me to know that? Yeah. Um, so it's interrupting your own processes to be curious about, mm. man, I wonder why that works that way for you. And if you can live that way, every person is interesting forever. Mm. Yes, every that's person. right. Yeah. I mean, and it's really hard to be an enemy of someone that's interested in you. Yeah. Uh, you know, because as soon as people hear I'm a pastor, I mean, you want to talk about people making a set of assumptions. Yes. Like, they're like, blah, 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 blah. I know what this means. <laughs> yep. And so if I can just be the person that's interested, like I actually mm -hmm. care, mm -hmm. those gifts fire in every arena of life, in evangelism, mm -hmm. in discipleship, in leadership development. It just, it's just, they're just helpful tools to have mm -hmm. um, because you, well, you love people. You care for them when you do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's my experience. That's how most people I know come to Christ, come to Christ, is yeah. after we do that a while, they go, well, well, gosh, I, I didn't even get a chance to hear how you think about this or that. No, you know, let me tell you a few things based on what you said. Here's like three things we have in common. And here's something I think you'd think was interesting about me based on this other mm. thing you said, is I, mm. I do believe in Jesus. And let me tell you why. I had an encounter with God. Changed my life. So I know that might not be something that makes sense to you, but that's what happened to me. And mm -hmm. if you'd be interested, I'd, I'd love to tell you more about that. Or maybe, yeah. and, and there's, there's breathing space. Um, yeah. And I, I find most people, when they think about evangelism, they're thinking about taking up all the space. Mm. And that's exhausting. I mean, who, yes. first of all, who wants to do that? Like, what kind of person is like, you know what I want to do? I want to go and just talk at people for... <laughs> It's exhausting. I mean, who wants? To, yeah, no, this no way, wonder people, nobody wants to do it. Well, that's right. And if the people want to do that, we don't want them doing it. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so, oh, you want to do that? Definitely not you, then. So, so, Let's so, give you something else to do for a while. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But the people we want talking don't talk. That's right. 
That's right. And so it's learning those things and, and that makes for evangelism, that makes for discipleship, it makes for honestly just a loving culture. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's on the soccer field. Frankly, as a preacher, I'm, I'm always trying to tell preachers, think in dialogue, think in dialogue. Mm-hmm. When you're saying yep. something, imagine your audience trying to understand what you're saying and the question they might ask. And, you know, th- even when it's just you talking, think in dialogue and ask mm-hmm. good questions. And But these yeah. are skills that can be learned, I think. Yes. Yeah, or early on in the very first church that we planted in the Soma family of churches, every sermon was a dialogical sermon. Like yeah. we actually m- made the people who were up front communicating ask yeah. at least three questions yep. of the room so that they learned how to be a listener and not just a yes. proclaimer. But yes. that also modeled then for our people, that's what we want you to be doing every day. Oh, totally. Well, and it's attractive. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed when people remember anything I've ever said to them. Like, you know, like, you know, you're at a party with somebody, you meet someone, and the next time you see them, they're like, hey, last time I talked to you, you were about to go on that trip to Mexico. How did that go? I mean, even if it's that minor, yes, they've showed me something. They've showed me that they care about me. That's right. Like, I've lived somewhere inside of their mind, inside of their heart. Yeah. And so that power of listening, paying attention, trying to remember, hmm. um, demonstrates love. And these mm. are all things that anybody can do. Mm. You really can. This is mm-hmm. not expert level stuff. I mean, yeah, you don't have to be like, what's the cultural critique of atheistic, individualistic consumerism? It's like, yeah, there's people that need to do that work. Most of us just need to be kind yeah. and thoughtful yeah. oh, and engaged. Man. If we just started doing that, just think about many opportunities we'd have to love people so well. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Well, because frankly, it's in short supply. It is. I mean, most people I have a conversation with like this, they'll often say something like, man, I haven't had a conversation like this in years. Yeah. And what that is, I think to myself, I've had like four today. Like, Mm, I mean, like I'm living like that. Like, yeah. And that's attractive that people care and they engage. And that's what I think you see in Jesus, that way Mm -hmm. of his ability to be totally present with people. I mean, that's why I love the first part of John, all those little dialogues, you know, where all kinds of different people, he's able to just sort of stand with them in a moment and tell a story and make an observation and ask a question and, and then step in, boom. All right. Yeah. Here's what I want to say. Um, I just, I, I think it's a way of leading or just being a human that uh, mm. is accessible. Oh, this is really good. I um, We're coming to the end of our time, but I want to ask you so many more questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. I, this was so, we, we, we could do it again. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I like you. It'd be fun to hang out. Yeah, yeah. but, but these, are, these are lived experiences, right? The things we're describing, you just got to live yes. them. You got to try, yeah. you yeah. fumble around. Uh, you know, every once in a while you're like, oh, that was not great. I did a bad, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I should have, I should have paid more attention to this person. Mm. And, but it, it, it's a way of living. You can learn this. And if we had communities yeah. that live this way. Yeah. Um, I believe you must have because people become like their teachers. So, I mean, that is, you know, the, the reality of disciple making, whatever system, whatever plan, whatever process or pathway you put in place, at the end of the day, people are still going to become like the ones that are following. That's right. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, which is why the number one goal of any leader is to focus on their life. Yes. Like, am I actually in love with the Lord? Do I really love my wife? Do, mm-hmm. You know, do, how, you know where, are the, where are the spots that have maybe just gotten atrophied a little yeah. I'm not necessarily in danger. I'm just kind of bored. Yeah. Uh, those things matter because you do reproduce who you are. You don't just mm-hmm. reproduce what you say or what you think, what you hope for. Yeah. And and again, you're right. You can build all kinds of processes. This kind of class, you know, this kind of information we want to teach and then this thing we'll try. But yeah, it is almost always life on life. That's what tends to last. 
mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about the most transformative stuff in my life often was in a car driving somewhere. It was, uh, you know, in the restaurant with the two folks in the, at the break. It was the random night I got the phone call that somebody's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the kind of stuff you can prepare for. Hmm. Um, you're either living that way or not. Hmm. And there's some cool moments where, you know, I got to teach or be at a conference or whatever, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. It's pretty rare. It's a, it's a fun dinner. You know, it's funny how many things happen at like meals, right? Like that one night you were with that group of folks in your backyard and you just, you laugh together. Um, it's a taste of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to live that way. You got to make space yeah. for that. You have to, you have to get vulnerable in certain ways. You have to, mm-hmm. but it feels accessible to me and yeah. humanizing. Mm-hmm. And then learn a yeah, lot. Everything, I love reading. Yeah, everything, <laughs> you de- everything you described is, is, can be normalized. It's, yes. it's life. And like mm-hmm. we'll often say in our context, discipleship requires life on life, life in community, Life on mission. It's great. You know, it's like you got to have a few people that really know you and you know them. Yes. You, you'd start doing life together in ways that you express the the one another's. We're loving yes. each other, bearing yes. with each other, praying for one another, all the one another's. Yes. And then we do that with some people who don't know Jesus. And yes. It isn't much more complex than that. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And, and, and to your point, if you're doing the first thing well, it will leak into all the things. Yeah. Um, a real life with God. Yep. Goes a long way, it turns out. And then yes. a real life with some people. Yep. Build skills by which you're like a human with people yeah. who don't have faith. It, it's accessible. Yeah. But sadly, we do all this stuff to these poor Christians and they they get weirder and weirder or less human. Yeah, that's um, right. And yeah. we train them to be not human. Like, well, make sure you say these four things and it's like, Oh my gosh, I guess I got to do that. And I wonder how that's going to go. And you know, my <laughs> uncle's going to be really mad or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> why are we doing that to you? Um, yeah. I mean, if you're a coward, you should learn how to not be a coward. I mean, there are plenty of cowardice problems. I don't think that's mostly it. I, I think it's mostly people don't know how to live deeply with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because when you live deeply and you're connected, you talk about your life. It's that's not right. That's scary. No. You just no. talk about it. I mean, it's like, yeah. well, here's what I'm learning. And yeah. I don't know, maybe that's helpful to you. Yeah. It's how, Jesus said it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So if there's exactly depth right. there, yep. then there's plenty going to, it's going to come out. Yes. Yep. Yes. And well, and it's funny because when I talk about these things, sometimes people are like, well, you, you're obviously really extroverted. And it's true. I am. The truth is my wife is infinitely more fruitful than me and the things we're describing. It's not even close because she's very introverted. Mm-hmm. So I'll be in a, along the sideline talking to everybody and she's talking to one person. Yeah. And on, I'm, if I'm very honest, my thought always is that poor person. Like they are gonna <laughs> be a puddle. She just <laughs> loves people so well. And she just asks questions and makes observations. And, mm. you know, she's like, like, uh, you know, the image I've always had, she's a spelunker. She's, she's like in the center of the earth in their life, you know, like, and they're like, what is happening to me? Spiritual director by training. Um, so again, it's not, it's, this isn't even temperament based, right? All kinds of different kinds of people can do this kind of work in their own way. Um, but it's setting that out. Like I'm connecting with people deeply so that I can train them to be these kinds of people. That's mm-hmm. maturity. Um, yeah. Mm. It's good. So last question. I didn't prepare you for this. Are you an oh, Ohio State fan? I mean, listen, my <laughs> blood is scarlet and gray. Because I'm from Michigan. So oh, what's I can't well, believe it, we had this whole conversation. And <laughs> Well, we're about to find some things out tomorrow, aren't we? Isn't tomorrow? It's <laughs> soon the announcement. <laughs> I almost bought myself a Michigan surveillance team shirt. Uh, (laughs) I saw it 
I saw the novelty shirt and I thought, that is awesome. I am buying that. And I went, this is too much, Jay. Oh my goodness. Have a boundary. So I didn't buy it for what it's worth. Oh man. We'll see what happens. I I mean, my hope, I really, my dream was I wanted to see Ohio State and Michigan at the end. Like that had been the ultimate game of games, you know? Like, I know. I know. Well, we've almost done it a few times. I know. We should have actually. We should have. I know. I know. Yeah. No, no. I hate you, but I I also love you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, it's a problem. I mean, when I was at Ohio State, we couldn't win no matter what. (laughs) I mean, that was Cooper years. Then when I left, we won for a whole bunch. And now it's definitely flipped. So it has flipped. Yeah. It's it's pretty fun. I love it. It is fun. Greatest greatest rivalry, I think, in all sports. So no question. Yes. No question. Yeah, there was an Mm -hmm. actual war about it. So that means (laughs) it's a real rivalry. (laughs) Not a pretend one. It's a real one. Yeah. It's a real one. Oh, Jay, thank you so much. I'm curious if people wanted to check in more and the the resources you've created, or I know you have a podcast, you have some other things that might serve people. Anything you'd, where would you direct people if they want to find out more, get some more of the Um, thought leadership you have in this area? The bad news is I am not an innovator. I'm a thief. And so if you wanted to ask me, I would just tell you about all the other people I really like. Um, But yeah, we have a church. I mean, so the milehighvineyard.org has all our church resources Mm -hmm. on it. Um, I'm a vineyard guy. So vineyardusa.org is all the vineyard stuff Mm -hmm. we do nationally. And then if you just, you know, use the almighty Google. uh, They'll find you. I'm around doing random things like this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And I look forward to you sharing at Exponential. I think it's going to be a real blessing for people to hear from you. I'd love to invite you to join me and Dave Ferguson, co-founder and president of Exponential, to continue this conversation on how we can return to disciple making in our local churches. The pressing need to refocus on disciple making has never been greater. I'm excited to unpack this conversation. We've had more with Dave and with you. And the goal of this webinar is that we would make it an interactive Q&A session and leave with a renewed sense of purpose for your personal ministry and church community. So I'd love to call you to join us on November 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern. You can visit exponential.org forward slash 180. That's one word, 180, to register and submit your questions in advance. So don't miss this opportunity. We'd love for you to join us. We think it's going to be a great chance for us to interact with you and for all of us to grow together and how we become more committed to making disciples who make disciples. Well, thanks for joining us for the Saturate podcast. I hope you are inspired and encouraged as well as receive some ideas of how you could take some next steps in the work God's called you to do in your own context. I want to let you know of another way that you might be able to receive some ongoing encouragement and equipping You can visit saturatetheworld.com, where we have a lot of our resources, our training, PDFs, videos, audio, a whole bunch of stuff to serve you in your journey towards being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples in the everyday stuff of life. Now, we're going to provide a code for you to use if you'd like to try a two-week free membership to our subscription-based services. That code, if you'd like to use it, is podcast. 2023. That's one word, all lowercase, podcast 2023. And we'd love to just invite you to check out what we have online so that you can see if it's something that might serve you and maybe serve the people that you also lead or work with as you consider what it would take for you to get more and more equipping. It's our desire to make this available to as many people as possible. And so everybody who eventually pays for a monthly subscription makes it available for free for people who can't afford it. We've had the honor of being able to give almost 500 free subscriptions away this last year, and we're hoping to give even more to those around the world who can't afford the membership. But if you can, we'd love for you to consider it. Try it for free for a couple weeks, see if it serves you well. And if so, love for you to continue on and be a Saturate member. Second, I wanna invite you to consider being a Saturate partner. And that's someone who's committed to pray and or also give to support the work of gospel saturation. What we do is completely based on fundraising and the money that comes in through the subscription and some of the products we're able to sell. But the majority of our work is funded by people like you who just believe in the work and wanna see more of it done. So if you wanna pray with us and join us in praying for gospel saturation, send us an email at hello at saturatetheworld.com. 
let us know you want to be a prayer partner and we'll begin to send you updates so you know how to pray specifically. And if you want to give, just go to saturatetheworld.com, click on the give button, and you'll see all the instructions there to help you take a step towards supporting the work as a Saturate partner. Again, thank you so much for listening in. And I can't wait till you hear the next one. I hope we continue to encourage you with the work of gospel saturation in North America and around the world.